All right. I love that. And all the men said, amen. We have some special heroes with us this morning. Those who don't get much credit, but they do everything. I remember growing up, you tell you, ask your dad a, a hard question. He said, go ask your mother. You know, <laughs> mom had all the answers. Whenever you got hurt, mom's the one that told you, we'll put a Band-Aid on, nothing that's cut. Dad says, next time, don't fall. <laughs> mom is the one, number one discipler in the household. Dad's working. Mom has a way of breaking down the rules and, and what happens in fine print. Dad says, don't do this all the time, and mom tells you why you don't do this. So it's a great balance, and you guys are our heroes, and I want all our, our moms, our grandmas, and everyone stand up so we can recognize you. <laughs> keep standing. You keep standing. We have a special gift for you. We believe here, as uh, Elder Terry always tells us, we're blessed to be a blessing, and you guys totally bless us every week. I want to give a shout-out to our single moms that are here, come on, who really carry the load. If you look at society today, you guys are carrying a load. And I just want to let you know, as a single mom, God so much loves you. And he gives you the supernatural strength and the supernatural ability to be a mom and a dad in changing and hard times. And really, um, he is so proud of you. And you're his special gift. And always remember that. Don't ever have someone else put a label on you. Always have the lab- remember the label that God put on you. So in our grandmothers who have become mothers again, standing in the gap is like playing baseball. Someone lays down a bunt, someone has to back it up. Um, we, go, we deal with a school in our, in our city that a lot of our the parents are incarcerated. And we have grandparents stepping in and taking the load. We thank you guys for doing that and um, raising your children and raising other children. And also taking care of us young people when we think we know everything. So uh, really appreciate everything you got going on. What we're going to do is just pray for you. You guys are our heroes. Moms are the heroes. Really are. You're fantastic. I always want to tell you, like he said in the video, God made you different on purpose. So you can tell us what to do and show us what's really wrong because we just go grab stuff. We have no idea what we're looking at. But at least you tell us you should get the one on sale. Don't grab that one. And if it's wrong, take it back, even though we want to keep it. How am I doing, huh? Because we're a guy. Even when you're lost. Anyway, I'm, I'm just, okay. She says, go move on. I'm not in charge. Anyway. I have our mom standing. We have our dads, husbands. Go ahead. How come the mothers are sitting down? Stand up. Stand up. <laughs> Is that a military spouse that said that? Yes. 24-7. You are on call. So stand and stand there for. <laughs> Amen. I like that. If you got anything to say, she'll tell you. I want someone to come around our moms and just, I know if you have guests here this morning, I might feel weird, but our husbands, if you stand next to your wives, get and lay hands on them. Anyone else just want to get and grab, go around our moms. Give them a hug. Husbands, you better be hugging your wives. This is the only free time you get to do this. Where did my wife go? 
I don't care about John. Anyway, <laughs> come on up here. <laughs> you can tell we love to have fun here. Let's just pray together. Father, I thank you for these amazing heroes that are in front of us, God, our mothers, God. Lord, our nation wouldn't be anything. Our families would be nothing without the mainstay, the one, the main, uh, the main post of a household. Father, I thank you how important they are. Without them, society would fail. Everything would just go chaos, God. They, st- they stabilize us. They, they teach us. They show us, God. They show us what real grace is, what real love is of a mother, even as a, as a heart. Her heart's so big as the Father's heart, and we thank you for each and every one of them today. Let this day always be special to them, not more in the restaurant, but, Father, every day they'll hear your voice. I love you. I love you. I love you. Thank you for our single mothers, God, and, Father, the load that they're carrying, Father. We pray right now. We declare a double grace of strength, a double grace, Lord, of of, uh, leadership, God, upon them, Father. And, Father, you have the right one for them, but right now you are their complete husband. And we thank you for that, God. Bless them today, Lord. Bless our grandmothers today, God. For without, who didn't have a grandmother didn't take care of us when we need to be taken care of? And I thank you for those, Lord, that they're not left out. Thank you for our household, our household, Lord, from the youngest to the oldest. They're all important. And I thank you, Lord, that you take us and you put us all together to make something special. So, Father, let them feel special. Those moms and dads who are not here like ours, God. For the families who are struggling right now because their mother and father's not around. Father, I pray that your grace and your love be upon them. Your comfort, the Holy Spirit is a comforter, to comfort them in this time and this day. So, Father, we just thank you today, God. Thank you for our special guests today. They are our special gems, your special gems. The one that raise, the ones that send out, the one who prays over, the one who continues to think and always um, push toward tomorrow. Thank you for each and every one of them today. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you, guys. All righty. So now, Miss Suzette, since uh, John made you a cake, and I prayed with you, that means I ought to get some of that cake. So if not, I'm taking the prayer back. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) one welcome. If you were a guest this morning, let you know, my name is Pastor Rich. I'm the senior pastor here. And can I just say something before we get going? How about our worship team this morning? Wasn't that amazing? <laughs> you know, a lot, we have a lot of worship teams that have talent. And ours have talent. But there's one thing different about ours. They worship. And we have worshipers worshiping. Helps us get into the presence of God. And that's the difference. Talent can get you some places, but a worshiper should get you inside the doors. It doesn't take how much time. It doesn't matter how much time it is. They get us inside the doors. So, and they're up here early in the morning, and they're, um, they're amazing. And I thank you for that. Um, again, happy Mother's Day. If you've been coming, it's our second week. We're going to be going to the book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 2. And I really like this part of the because when I was praying this morning about it, I remember this is a principle that we're going to learn about that my mother taught me growing up about two important things in your life. And as we get into the book, we're going uh, to show you that. But today is, um, last week we had in Christ, we are, whole, we are holy and blameless before him. And the second part of that was that we can be the praise of his glory and really display God's greatness to a lost and dying world. What we talked about last week about our position has changed. So since our position has changed, 
Well, we're in Christ. Now we become a blessing to the world by glorifying God in all that we do. And that was chapter 1. And if you look at chapter 1 in Ephesians, I challenge everyone to go home and read, start reading through the book of Ephesians. I'll tell you how exciting it is because it gives you a better perspective on who you are and then who you are in Christ. And it's chapter 1, as you close, we ended last week on a prayer of 17 that you will have the spirit of revelation of who God is because it's hard to catch anything informationally when you're talking about the Bible. It's all about catching it, revelation. You have revelation about who God says you are and how important and how valuable you truly are. And this is, Paul, this is the first epistle that you see written to a church. And as we get in chapter 2, we see something here. Very first part, 1 through 10, we look at that. It talks about salvation, how we were dead and we were lost and we were beyond help. But it says, but God's mercy and his grace revived us back into Christ, brought us back alive with him when we were dead, which was impossible only from God. And it gets all the way down to verse 10, and verse 10 says this. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which he prepared beforehand that we shall walk in them. We talked about beforehand. When we talked about when God had a plan, it's before the work was even, the world was even formed. Before Genesis 1, he has a plan, had a plan for us to good works. And then when you read that, you can stop and say, oh, salvation, good works, I'll do what I'm going to do. But you know, salvation is the beginning, not the end. It's just the beginning. Because then he takes you in the second part of Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11 through 22. A lot of times when people preach this, they go from verses 13 and 18. But I decided to give you the full context of it, 11 through 22, because there's some specific things in there. And this one we titled today, Our Peace. Our Peace. So let's go ahead and start reading. See, as you see in the 10, we should walk in them, the good works. And you see verse 11, he starts with, therefore, which means it's telling you another statement. This is what happens from 10 to 11. Therefore, since you've been born again, since you have good works, therefore, this is what we need you to do. And he talks about those who have individually been raised up to become a people who are raised up, united. And we'll talk about this thing. Let's go to verse 11 to 22. It says, therefore, remember that the one time you Gentiles, when you see about Gentiles in the flesh, that means non-Jews. Say, I'm a Gentile. Okay. Nice to meet you. In the flesh, called therefore, called the circum- uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Verse 12. Remember. You know, remembering is a very good thing. Because when you remember God's word, when you're going through a circumstance or turmoil, two things happen. One, you get a perspective because it gives you a perspective of the size of your issue. And two, you get faith because you always see God with a solution to the issue. And I like this because when you start reading it, he said, remember that you were at that fine time, at that time, separated from Christ. You want to you circle that. Alienated from the commonwealth time, um, sorry, commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenant of promise, having no hope 
and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by what? For he himself is our what? Who has made us both one and has broken down in the flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of the commandments expressed in the ordinance that me might create himself in himself a new one new man in the place of two. So making what? That might reconcile us both to God and one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. He came and preached what? To you who are far off and to those who are near. And for through him we both have access to in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens but our fellow citizens with saints and the members of the household of God built on the foundations of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure is being joined together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by his spirit. Let us pray. Father, I just thank you at this moment. Holy Spirit, Enlighten our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Now, you see verse in this scripture, chapter 11 is kind of, whoa. Look like God takes you out to take you into something new. At the end of it, you go from outside to inside. And you know what brings you from outside to inside? Peace. As we talk about that. Now, there's certain words here. You say, what is they talking about? Therefore, remember the uncircumcision. Uncircumcised. What, what the Jews call the Gentiles as a curse word. It meant foreskin. It means really they were calling them the trash heap of society. This is in the Bible because the difference is this is the first one of the forms of racism in the Bible way back then. The circumcised were the, were the Jews. And they God chosen the Jews really to show a light to the Gentiles about how goodness of God. But the Gentiles became so proud of who they were. I mean, the Jews became so proud of who they were. They decided to ostracize the non-Jew by calling them dogs, by calling them uncircumcised. That's a curse word, name calling, as you hear today. All those things. And the circumcised to them, they thought it was a life of honor. But really, it was a life of pride. And they treated everyone below them, anyone apart from them, different from them, like dirt. So they weren't allowed to be in the same room with them. In the temple, they weren't allowed to be in the same area with them. When you hear someone say, I'm circumcised, that's it. You are a dog. You're not even human. So this is in the Bible. It's amazing. As you look at well, we, our nation has come over the last 50 years. And how it was is in the Bible way back when. And then it says here, as you remember, William Hendrickson said this. People were Christless, stateless, friendless, hopeless, and godless. Christless, stateless, friendless, hopeless, and godless. Can I give you a clue who that is? Those without Christ. They are Christless, stateless, which they don't know where they're going. They have no f- real friends. 
to have acquaintances. There's no hope. And they're godless. And that's with us before we met God. When I talk about remember, I'm like, when you remember that where you were before, that gives you sure enough faith for the day. It's like, thank you, God. What a miracle. I'm a walking miracle that you're able to do this. And when you look at that, when we break this whole thing down, the word peace, and talking about life, how does peace deal with my life? This is the takeaway today. Quality of life is in direct proportion to peace with God and peace with others. Our quality of life is direct proportion to the peace with God and with peace with others, which is a whole different mindset when we live in America because this is an intrinsic value, not an external value. Our world chases after money and position. That's where we get our peace. Whenever you ask the uh, Old Testament saint about how their day went, the answer was about their relationship with God and how it affected their relationship with people, not what they made that day. So it's a different way to think when we're talking about quality of life because a lot of us wear ourselves out trying to find some quality of life, and you already have it. When you have Christ, you have all the life you need. Enjoy it. Because what you're going after will outlive you. Some of it, if you buy a house, guess what? That house is going to be there when you're gone. You buy a car, depending if it's a Toyota, it'll be there. But, you know. Sorry, I'm not going to talk about GMC. Oh, excuse me. So this word peace, I looked it up, and I wanted to have a clear definition of the word peace this morning. Because everywhere I went to in, in the public dictionaries, it had something to do about peace and tranquility of today. I went to the 1828 um, dictionary. That's what it says. The tranquil state of a soul, or short of his salvation through Christ, and so fearing nothing from God and content with his earthly lot. That is an eternal peace. Reason why, let me give you, I'll give you just a regular explanation of that. When you know the end of something, you can enjoy everything. When you already know the score, life is good. At the end of the day, I'm going with Christ. Let's, let's party now and help everyone else enjoy that. Now, regardless of what I have, I don't have, it doesn't matter. I know at the end of the day, at the end of my time, I win. So let's go ahead and enjoy ourselves in this life right now and not worrying to get this and get that. And that's what true peace is. Now, it's not the absence of circumstances and turmoil. They will come. But again, when you know the end of the story, you have a better perspective on what's going on around you. And that's, again, being a human, who doesn't deal with that every day? The ups and downs of life. Depending on the weather, we'll know how people feel. Especially in West Texas lately, with all, all the winds and the um, allergies and how you doing? I'm, I'm, I'm doing okay. I think, you know. The, the area here, this is the eternal peace that's deep inside of you. So when things start to crumble around you, there's something that keeps you standing strong. Not that I had a car today, I don't have it tomorrow, because that, your peace is on something that you have that you can truly lose just like that. 
And the more I, I, I start to read the Bible, the more I'm seeing I missed a lot of the eternal blessings that are already solid. And sometimes I want to chase after stuff that just is not going to be important. How many with me? And that's why God bring it down to the simplest thing. So in the word peace, that means irene, irene, irene. Again, tranquility. Now, this is what we call, when we want peace, we have what we call false peace. We try willpower to make things work. We try to, we ignore it. Maybe it'll go away. Sound like a guy. If I ignore it, it'll go away. It gets bigger. Or we medicate it. I'm not just about drugs and pills. I'm talking about alcohol. So a lot of people medicating themselves lately. That's why DWI seem to be up. They're trying to get away and trying to find some peace somewhere that's a hole in their soul. And we might have family members like that. Why do they keep doing that? Because they're trying to find something that's missing and is broken in their lives that only Christ can fulfill. And they medicate it and hope they'll feel better. And they wake up the next day, you feel worse. Because it doesn't go away. Marcus Voss said this. To say Christ, that is to speak of peace. To speak of peace, that is to speak of Christ. Now, I'm talking about peace. Three things in here. Christ, when we look at Christ as he's through this whole chapter, chapter 2. It says Christ is, number one, our peace. He makes peace. And he proclaims peace. Verse 14. Can you put that up for me, sir? Verse 14. He is our peace. For he himself is our peace, who made us both one, has broken down in the flesh the dividing wall of hostility. Now, when they looked at the Gentiles in those days, not only were they separated from God, they were separated from God's people. If you go to the temple, they had four different courts. You had the courts of the Israels, Israelites. You had the courts of the women. And you had the courts of the priests. And all that were the same level when you go into the temple. Then they had a place, you go down 14 steps. And they called a place, the court of the Gentiles, who had to look up at the favored people. And if they went or tried to go over the line, there was a wall there that said this. If you try to step across this line, penalty is death. That's almost like a church putting up in our front door. Welcome to Grace Point Church, but if you don't know Jesus, you go past this line, you are dead. How do you think church growth would work? It wouldn't work. So it's a separation. Of God's people. They were not, and they were the ones who had the grace and the word of peace. But they had the Gentiles not just separated from God, but separated from God's people. It reminded me when I was didn't know Jesus, it seemed like you were just separated from God, and you were separated from the life of God and through his people. You always had some friends that just didn't seem to measure up. They weren't like they, they were there when everything was good. But when everything went bad, they were gone just as quick as it went bad. And then, you, you know, and I said, there's something wrong. And then when you cross over into Christ, you have some new friends that they're there when the things really go bad. 
There's a difference. So think about the Gentiles. If you said remember, because we got to remember that, which gives us the sympathy of those who are sitting outside trying to get in. So they were divided. And it says here, when you look at the word peace, it's a destructive and a constructive act. Division and hostility had to be destroyed, and unity and peace had to be established. And Jesus did all that when he died on the cross. And we know true peace only comes in a person. His name is Christ. Uh, and G- and uh, we read the scripture all the time when it's Christmas time. Isaiah 6, I mean Isaiah, Isaiah 9, verses 6 to 7. Said, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulder. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. You know, I used to stop there, and I never read the rest of it. <laughs> of the increase of his government and what? There will be an end. It's not a temporary fix. It's a permanent fix. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and righteousness from the time forth and evermore. And guess who's going to do it? The zeal of the Lord will do this. That's a promise. So it talks about when you become one with a vertical relationship with Christ, which affects your horizontal relationship with people. Whenever my vertical relationship seems like it's um, out of whack, everything around me seems to be out of whack. You don't want to be around me if I haven't spent time with God. I am, not a, uh, I am not a pleasant person. It's a difference. It's just because the way God created, when Jesus came and then the, the vertical relationship, he brings the grace for the horizontal relationship. And that's going to be lived out today. Because I'm telling you, the happiest person on the planet knows this. They're loved by God and they're loved by people. John Maxwell put it so well about success in life. He says, this is success. Not if you plant 200 churches, not if you do any of this. It's when you're on your deathbed and your wife and your children love you and respect you, you are a complete success. So he's talking about relationships. But relationships this way cannot be nothing unless it's this way first. I tried this way without this way, and it wasn't anything. It was just vapor. It was temporary. Making sense? Second one, making peace. Now, not only verses 15 and 16. By abolishing the law, I love those, those words, commandments, expressing the ordinance that he might create himself what? One new man in a place of two making peace and might reconcile us to God in one body through Christ, through the cross, thank you, hon, thereby killing the hostilities. Do you know everything happens through the cross? Not only did Christ take the hostility into himself and destroy it, but he also in himself created a new corporate person. Some of the writers call this as a third person. You had the Gentiles and you had the Jews, two separate races. And then Christ came and made a new race. Now, as a youth pastor, I used to use this analogy all the time when I was, when I was uh, talking about reconciliation. I would say, we all heard that Jesus is coming back tomorrow. And he wants the African-Americans to go to the north and wait. <laughs> 
And he wants the, um, the Caucasians to go to the south and wait. North, south, thank you. And I want all the Asians to go to the east. And I want all my Hispanic and Latino brothers to go to the west. And then I want all the Christians to stay dead in the middle. And I will say, what line are you going to get into? That was the question. What group of people are you going to get with? Because he destroyed all that theologically. I mess up some of your, your biblical theology, wouldn't it? He destroyed all that. So what line are you going to get into? Because that's what he's talking about. When the writer said, I'm in a third race. He made one man, one body. That is cool. That is cool. And that is what I call, in today's world, gutsy. That's courage. For me and Mr. Terry to walk together, that takes courage. To have a church like this, that takes courage. A lot of people don't like to have courage. They like to, it's comfortable to go back to who you know, who, who walks like you, who sings like you, who talks like you. But it's sure enough different when you forget. Now, you don't lose your ethnicity. You actually bring the richness to the center. And we do it all together. That's the greatest thing about it. He said, that's, who's a sinner? Me. I'm making one new person. What does he look like? Him. Her. Him. Well, he's Hispanic. Yeah. I love messing with people when we go outside and say, hey, that's my brother. They're looking like, ooh. Because <laughs> he makes one. And that's powerful. Because we do have some lines. With the one he's talking about, the history, those walls. We have some cultural walls that we have to walk through all the time. We heard about something the other day that really offended a lot of people. An owner from Los Angeles Clippers spoke his mind in private, said some things. All he did was share his heart. A heart without Jesus, that's what you hear. You know, we got some present-day walls. Our races. Our nations, think about it. We have a, uh, we're part of a church, we're part of an organization called Every Nation Churches and Ministries. And that's a prophetic word for calling because we believe every nation. Now, can you imagine seeing those who are in, from uh, Iran going to church with those from Iraq? One's Persian, one's Babylonian. If you read your history, they don't get along. And they're just waiting for the big one to come to blow up the other one. And then Jesus brings them all together and makes something fantastic because I'm telling you, separation is all around the world. It's not the United States. It's everywhere. But Christ is doing amazing things everywhere in the world, taking two entities and bringing them to one. We read them in the history books. How do you guys get along? Jesus? That's what's exciting about it. Our nations, religions, genders, Questions in our city? Well, you think about women in ministry. I don't know. What do you think about them? Can they preach? Can they speak? Do they love Jesus? Yeah. Well, let's talk about the real important stuff. Age. 
tough for age. Younger folks with the older folks? You hang out with the younger folks? Are you telling the older folks? Or no, 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 no. I'm trying to put everyone together because we both need each other. You need to go to hill with somebody. My age, you go to hill with somebody, and you send the young one out. Go get him. I'm with you. <laughs> well, I'm with you. I'm slow, but I'm getting there. I'm learning some stuff. I'm learning. I'm learning the iPad. I'm learning. I'm learning some stuff. <laughs> Keep up with the guy. We're getting going. We're just getting better, aren't we? That's it. <laughs> and that's when. You, oh my gosh. What, what brings that? Jesus. That separate the rate, all the ages and all those things, all the different things that we deal with. <laughs> Social and economic classes. People looking down on others because of how much they make. Denominations. You know, we got Abilene, boy, we are amazing. <laughs> you have a full line Church of Christ, Baptist, uh, Methodist, and then we have Cisco that no one cares about. <laughs> really? Together. Think about it. And we have to bring this together and do something special. Communities, teams, families. It's amazing. Those are the walls we deal with. Remember, this letter is to the church. Not outside the church. Paul is speaking to a church. Those are the things that are happening in the church because they had so many Gentiles in this church and you had some Jews that they didn't want to associate with them. So it's going to happen inside the church. We can't say much about Donald Sterling. He said something while some of us might be thinking. Unless your mind is regenerated by Jesus. Come on. That's reality. That's today. And where else do people find true the trueness and the richness of Christ, but inside his church. Is it perfect? No, but we're, we're trying. It's fun. It's amazing. The cross, when you have all these barriers, the cross is the place where the barriers are destroyed. The cross is where everyone's level. doesn't matter how much money you make, where you come from. The cross makes everything level. Galatians 3.28 says this, there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There's neither male and female, for you're all one in Christ Jesus. It's amazing God put this in the Bible years ago because you know what we'll be dealing with today. Because grace is the only thing that connects us to God and Christ and connects us to one another. It's God's grace. The last one is proclaiming peace in verses 17 and 18. Come 17 and 18 for me, sir. He came and preached peace for those who are what? And peace to those who are what? It's global. And for through him we both have access to one spirit to the Father. Do you know what the, the blessings of peace is? The greatest gift in the world when we able to speak the gospel of people. The greatest gift that we don't see in here is access to the Father. Now you have access to God Almighty. And Jesus is still preaching peace today. But how he's doing it is through his people. 
through his followers. That's how we're finding out about peace because those who are far off and those who are near are together. We can go far off and we can go near and we can preach peace, preach the gospel, which is Jesus Christ, the good news where you were separated from the Father at one time and now you've become one with him. Access. We had no access. Nothing. He's not going to close the door on you. That's the greatest thing. And when you say, wow, what a love. Because you look at verse 11, look how far we were. And he says, I don't even see that. I just see the child I love. That's how valuable it is. I love this scripture because that's what my mother always told me about people and where we used to live. She take us to the craziest neighborhoods to live. Mom, you know, we're the only people on this block. Yeah. Because that's what it's about, son. What we're doing, proclaiming peace to people who didn't know it. There was hostilities in our neighborhood. But when the Browns showed up, because we were Lutheran, didn't know what we were doing. I didn't know what I was doing. She did. We were proclaiming that we don't care. We're not going gonna to go in the neighborhood, and I love you. You should love us. But we're going to initiate that first. Like the church, we can't wait for anybody else to initiate it. It's only going to happen when we initiate it. But we got to have courage to initiate because is it comfortable? No, it's not. But let me tell you how fulfilling it is. It's amazingly fulfilling. Isaiah 52.7 says this. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who publishes peace, who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. See, people need to hear God calling them into the game. And people need to hear God calling them into peace. When you look at this thing, as you go down to verses 19 to 22, you don't have to pull it up. It talks about going from a new being to a new body to a new temple. Where, G, where Christ reigns. He's talking about now, he's starting to talk about next month, next week when we talk about the conception of the church, the mystery of what God was trying to do. Where everywhere, those, not the building, where people come together, Christ is in the center. He dwells there. Because it says even each and every one of us in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 that we are the temples of God. But then he says we all come together and that's where God dwells in unity with us. That's crazy. That's just nuts. But that's just God. I get excited. I'm sorry. You know, everyone has a church, a place they go for definition and really to assert their allegiance. One of my professors said this. He said, you know, the bar is an imitation church. Because you'll go to a bartender and you ask him, what do you do here? Well, we bring people from all walks of life who need joy. And they sit around, and we have the spirits, the drinks. And they have a great time, and they just love each other. After a couple of drinks, you're going to love each other. But no, really, but that's the imitation. You know, I said, well, gathering, spirit, enjoyment, that's the church. And everyone has one. Everyone has one. That's amazing. But that's what the church is. 
when we all come together from different places, it's fun. I didn't get to go to Cincinnati. I hung out with uh, LJ's family, his grandma, all of them. It was great. I'm like, we, look at where we are. This was fun. And hospitality was off the chain. I said, now, if I didn't know Jesus and I wasn't on mission, there's no way I would have met them. And they enriched my life. I wouldn't ever meet you guys, which enriches my life. If I didn't decide, let's just go for it. Love Jesus and love people. And he take the, the prejudice out of my heart. Because I found out he is our peace. And I found out he makes peace. And I found out that he's still proclaiming peace wherever we show up. And he's a peacemaker, not a peacekeeper. He makes it. When it says the word make peace, that really means creates it where there isn't any. Like I told you about the Iranians and the Iraqis. He had to, he had to create peace among those two to worship God together. <laughs> if you look at where you came from and you're worshiping with a brother that came from somewhere who's never seen people like you, and we come together and we worship God together, who created that peace? Who created that unity? Jesus did. And when we talk about our quality of life, quality of life is always connected to our relationship with God and one another. Now, I know things happen in our lives, but I tell you what, there's nothing better when you know that you have a crew of people praying for you, for real. Because things are going to happen. Moses was perhaps two million people, and he got discouraged too. He said, he got so discouraged, he said, God, kill me. If you love me, just kill me. What a discouraged soul. I want to leave you with this scripture, Colossians 3.15. It says, let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body. It goes to one body again. And be thankful. That word um, rule is an athletic word. It means umpire, arbitrator. That Whenever turmoil tries to come my way, the umpire of my heart kicks it out. Or it entertains what I should be involved in, what I shouldn't be in, especially relationships. The umpire of my heart, which is the peace of Christ, calls the shots in my heart. So it keeps me from making emotional decisions, (laughs) and I make the faith decisions because he's umpiring in my heart. Should I get angry at this person? No. They had no idea that they offended you. Umpire my heart. That's how I practically walk this out every single day. In, every, in my work area, everything I do. How many believe that pastors get offended too? Not just with you. I'm talking about when you're trying to do business with people. Because you're the church. They think you just have so much grace. But I need work done. <laughs> oh, you're just a church. You know, I'm not going to go in. Some of the brothers caught me at one Thursday. I was telling people, you need to get here at 2 o'clock. And I said, the guys are here in Jesus' name. <laughs> no, I didn't say that. <laughs> they got here. But I had that peace. And today, we're fighting for it tremendously. 
And the only thing that keeps me stable is my relationship with God and people. Because those are the most intrinsic things I can do better. My career will come and go. My, my money will come and go. My position will come and go. But my relationship with Jesus, and I'll see you guys in heaven, will never go away. And that gives me peace. That's why like, I get to see Michael Bob leave every two or three years and come back. I'm not upset by it because he'll be back. But even now, I can still talk to him by email because I know our relationship is permanent. It's not temporary. It's permanent. And he knows exactly when to call me when I need ex- He does this thing. Rich needs encouragement, and he sends me something. I got three people like that. They do that. I had one call me yesterday. How you doing? He just, how'd you know? How'd you know? God showed me. That's rich. That's better than money, man. That's better than anything. That's rich. And only can give it because God. And when we do that together, we glor- people will see this God is really real. He's not, he's not angry. He's not, he loves them. Why don't we all stand? Guys, can you come up front? I, get, I have fun with this because I really kind of preach my personality. I like to do things and give. So next week, it's what we call Lunch with a Hero. Can you put that up for me? And when we did for Easter, we had everyone participate in it. Everybody walks by a hero every day. If he's the police department, first responder. And we want to invite them next week to come hear an amazing man from God share his heart and have fun. We have a big barbecue afterwards, food, jumpy houses for the kids, a bunch of things we're doing, cotton candy, right outside here. And in about two years, we're going to have our own field over there because I know it's coming. Because I'm playing. I mean, don't, don't get mad at me. It's in the Bible. But... Um, we want you to take a card today. And we don't want you to go cold. Hand a card to someone and say, hey, come on out next week. We want to honor you. We have our Dias Air Force Base Honor Guard coming. Uh, they still book for us to come up and do something. And Michael Bob Starr is going to be our guest speaker next week. If you don't like, Michael Bob, come on up, sir. It's something special. I've been waiting four years for this. And he has too. That's why he got the nice haircut. <laughs> but come on out. It's a humble man of God, and we just want to get and love on people. That's what it's about. Put them in the presence of Christ and let Christ do the work. But we, let, we love, as Elder Terry says, oh, we're blessed to be a blessing. So, guys, why don't you hand those cards out? Don't, don't put them at your waist. Just anybody you know, even today as you're going around, if you see a, a, a policeman, and just, I want to give you a card. I want to bless you with something today. And I'm not going to tell him what to share. He already knows what to share on. And you guys are amazing. Look around you as you're getting your card. The scripture I just preached, only 6% of the churches in the world look like this. And we happen to be one of them. And this is God's original intent for a church. 
And you guys have been coming here for a while. It's amazing. And greater things are coming. We know that. Everyone get a card? Again, if you want some more cards, that'll be our welcome desk. But we just want to say thank you uh, again. Um, be a blessing to someone this week who really needs some, they need some encouragement. I know our firemen do. They've been working fires for the last three or four weeks because it's so dry. But I believe the rain's coming again this, tonight and um, to give them some relief. So, um, and our policemen are all the time uh, out there putting their, work, their lives on the line. And uh, we want to let them know there's a God in heaven that loves them. I'm going to have you pray. Let's close us in prayer. Is that okay, sir? And again, to our college graduates who graduated, give them a round of applause. And all the parents who are saying, get a job, get a job. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, sorry, sorry. Okay. It's my personality. <laughs> Go ahead, sir. Why don't we pray?